Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived, so if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Talia, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. Um, welcome to today's podcast where we have Emily Morris, one of my favorite guests. We've had her on before. She is incredible. She is sex with Emily where she has her own serious show and also her own podcast. She can give you the answers to anything about your body, about trauma, about sex, about relationships. And so it's really fun to talk to her today where we actually do start off with a very kind of intimate conversation about the vulva. Do not get turned off if you are male um, because we do move on past it. But she's a good friend, so it's so easy to talk to her. So we love just talking about all things. And we do really kind of get into relationships and sex and how things have changed during the pandemic um, and things we kind of see shifting when we kind of get out of this pandemic and out of the quarantine, maybe what trends that have started happening may stay. But no matter what, it's always a fascinating conversation. It'll start to get you if you aren't already thinking about your body intimately, and it is so important to do so. So let us know what you think. Go to our Facebook group, Den Talks Podcast. Let us know um, and follow us there. And also please leave a review. It's always so unbelievably helpful. Um, you don't even realize it. So we really appreciate it if you do that too. And also, like I always like to remind you, so many things coming up, many, many, many certifications in January. So all of this, all the certifications coming up, all the programming, all the workshops are all on denanywhere.com. So make sure you're checking that out and take our classes. It's so easy to do so now. So go to denanywhere.com and check it out. Enjoy the episode. Emily, I get to talk to you and I love it. It makes me so happy. Me too. Me too. I'm here with our special and most amazing sex everything, everything sex, doctor, aficionado, expert, <laughs> everything, Emily Morris, who I love and dear friend. And you're always a blast to talk to. We were actually just talking about nobody can see this, which is unfortunate because her backdrop, literally, she has a pillow on her couch that are just boobs. Boobs. Mm -hmm. And pointed out to me that there's a vulva sitting in a plant, which I didn't realize. <laughs> to me, it looked like Mother Mary, which I actually think... <laughs> It does kind of look like Mother Mary. You're actually right. Doesn't it does. Aura around her? Yes, you're absolutely right. It does sort of look like an aura around her. But let's be honest, you know, the the the, the vulva is a spiritual um, presence. So say, vulva should be Mother Mary. They should be Mother Mary. I think that they are. I think that is the goddess, the the energy. I mean, it's the power source. Do you have a different relationship with your vulva than you used to have? I do. Absolutely change or do you feel like you you developed this relationship and now you're good or do you feel like it's constantly evolving I was vulva agnostic before I don't think that I <laughs> I don't think that I well so I've been this is my 15th year of doing the sex with Emily the podcast everything and so I would say that when I started I was okay with it I didn't I didn't have a I was neutral but I, what I've learned in the last 15 years is that, and I'm not alone because I know that I talk to so many people, and you know, especially vulva owners who don't really vulva owners. Yeah, the vulva is the external part of the vagina, and that's the part where all the magic happens. 
And so for many women, we equate, you know, the vagina with the penis. And so understanding that the vulva is where there's so many, there's, you know, 8,000 nerve endings and that's more sensitivity and where women have more pleasure. And so what I learned, so to, to go back to your question, because I could go off on the vulva and the vagina for, for days. I is, don't I guess that can. So I appreciate this. <laughs> well, I think it's important because in, in asking how, how I was before, I just never really, ta- I'd never looked at it. I had never, I had never, I wasn't very orgasmic. I, I, I didn't really understand my body. And I think that that a lot of what I do is I educate every, all genders about their bodies. And I think that we just sort of assume that we know. And every day, the reason why I have the vulva puppet there is because I always have to grab it sometimes because when I'm talking to people, it's like, we don't really understand that. Like, for example, like the clitoris is, you know, has the little, is a little bulb above the, the vaginal opening. And we kind of, maybe we've heard of it. I didn't know, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't realize that it does have 8,000 nerve endings that also go internally. So that's where there's, it has legs to it. And so I can show you this because I actually have the internal structure of the clitoris here. So this is the clitoris and this is the, the labia, right? So be, the labia is right here, let's say. So internally, so there's all these nerve endings and I just kind of learned to explore. And I think that this is what I, I talk to a lot of women about is that once you start to understand your body and pleasure and what feels good and realize that we are responsible for our own pleasure and orgasms, give birth. I mean, there's so much that we can do with it, but we just, since there's so much shaming around women's bodies and there's just a misunderstanding of it, we often just think, I don't want to look at it. And then once I got familiar with it, I was like, it's pretty amazing what it can do. So I have a great relationship with my, my entire body right now, but I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. But by the way, and it's and what I love, you had a post once a long time ago, which it was like, I wish I remember the wording, but it was something, it was a picture of all different types of vulvas. And it was like, these are all normal. And I'm sorry if there's men listening to this. I promise we'll get to like broader topics. That are- I think that men, if you're with a vulva, you should know. And don't worry, we'll get to penises too. But it, it's, yeah, they're all. <laughs> if you're with a vulva, it's so true. But I remember you posted that. It was like a picture. So it was all different styles. Yeah looks and what it can all look like. And you were like, every single one of these is normal. Now I can tie this back to meditation because my big thing here is every single person is different and unique. And the whole point of meditation is to get to know yourself and stop trying to fit into some version of what you think you're supposed to be. Just get to know who you are. And it might look different. It might feel different than what you think normal is supposed to be or what you thought you were supposed to be. And so I actually remember seeing that post and loving it because I was like, well, yes, especially for women that have been so shamed with porn, where like you see a very specific looking vagina slash vulva all the time, I think a lot of women who don't look like that assume there's something wrong with them. Right. Exactly. They absolutely do. And that's why I put that post up. But I talk about it a lot because vaginas are like snowflakes. Vulvas are like snowflakes and every single one is different. But since sex is so shrouded in mystery and there's so much shame around it, that for a lot of people, the only ones they've ever seen are in porn. And let's just be honest here. Porn is there's makeup on them. They sort of cheat to the camera. Things are tucked in and there's just one type that they see. And, you know, for women, we don't, if we're changing in front of a friend, you don't really like, you can't really see, right. Or you're moving around. So you just assume, well, I've only seen a few and maybe it's important. And so mine must be bad or wrong or ugly. So I really try to point out that we're all different. It's all beautiful. Because if all we see is porn and then on the opposite side, we hear, we hear shameful things around it, you know, like it's messy or it's, it smells bad or like women's, you know, 
different, like their labias are different sizes and colors. That's every woman. And some are innies, some are outies, the labias. And so I just, I just want to normalize it. And I understand why this exists, this body shaming and vagina shaming. But once you start to kind of go inward and the, the very meditative thing is I talk about, I know I've talked about this on your show before, but mindful masturbation for me is a game changer because that's where I really went into practice how can I really learn to understand my body without the goal of orgasm, without the goal of sex, but just start to explore through breath, through, you know, just touch and all, all the senses and just sort of realize what capacities we have for pleasure. And I never would have known that before just in, because I'm with men, just in relation to male partners, because that just goes into penetration. And it was never about what can my body do? What is possible? And so it's a very meditative practice learning to kind of discover your own, your own pleasure, you know, your own body. It's so true. And it, the shaming is sad. I mean, when I was on your show the other night, there was a woman who was literally felt shamed by her partner because she, he said she got too wet. And, it, it, and I remember like thinking that's hilarious because some have the opposite problem. So there's always something in your mind that is perfect for whoever you're with you automatically, and especially if. Um, she was a little more inexperienced. So for her, that was a first experience. So being told that, I'm sure she just assumes, well, then this must be awful and everyone must hate this. And it's really sad. So it is, what are other ways of confidence building? I like the mindful medi like mindful meditation, mindful masturbation, but what are other ways you tell people so they can have the, how can you get this extreme confidence sexually so that then when you're with partners that might like something different or might not know, you have the confidence to know that you are okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, it's like body confidence. And, you know, I think we talk a lot about body, body love or um, body, you know, I think it could be like body, like body acceptance, body neutrality, at least you're not hating your body. But I think my, my first step, if, if you're thinking about how you start to love your, you know, the sexually speaking, but I think it just comes from the first thing is understanding the, the, your, your own, just that these bodies that we're in are so incredible. And that once you learn, I always do say, start with masturbation and self-pleasure, because I think that for, at least from my experience, I used to think that my pleasure was about a partner pleasing me, that they had to bring me to orgasm or they were, they needed to know it all. And once I realized it, I had to fix it was about my responsibility. So I think once you start there and you're like, oh my, I know what makes me feel good. I know how to move. And this comes like, again, from, I always do tell women, young women, all women, take a mirror and or use your phone. You don't have to take a picture, but just look at what is going on there. And then you start to realize, oh, wow, when I get turned on, you know, it starts to swell and, you know, the labia and the clitoris and you just you just realize it's pretty amazing. Like once you just take a look. So that's one part of it is once you see what it can do, you just have more, you have more love for it. You have more um, understanding of it. And then you don't feel as shameful because you're like, I know what, what I can do, what, what's possible. I also tell women or everyone really like look in the mirror, like do things where you're, 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 you're naked and you're in your room and maybe you're looking in the mirror and you're just sort of, which might sound horrifying to some people, but once you do that eye contact with yourself <laughs> and your own body and how incredible it is, you know, we, if the images we see are airbrushed, they're face tuned, they're all these other things. And I just think there's, it's that connection. It's that 
connection between you and your body. So I say masturbation, looking in the mirror, having positive affirmations. I mean, I can't, I have notes on my phone, just not even about my, my body, but for whatever confidence, when I feel I'm not enough or when I feel when I feel bad about myself, I mean, I have my affirmations. So if you want to like journal about your body and, and, and the amazing things it can do or what you've learned about yourself, your discovery. And when you start having the negative messages, you just go back to it. Like I am strong. I am powerful. I, I can give myself pleasure. I am a strong, beautiful woman, man, whatever it is. And you go back to that. So I think journaling, mindful masturbation, mindful, you know, pleasure, looking at yourself, um, and just sort of stop following people on Instagram who don't make you feel good. Well, that's probably Ditch. sexually, I would think. That's a huge one. Ditch the partners who shame you over and over again. I know that's really aggressive and I'm not saying just break up with them right now, but there are, I mean, like we said about the woman who called in the other night to my show, she was probably like 19 or 21. And the problem is, and I hear this from all genders, that if one person says something to you, like there's guys who in the high school locker room, someone teased them about their penis. And if a woman has one guy shame her in any way, like you're not great in bed, you're not a good kisser. I mean, they're calling me when they're, you know, maybe they're 20 when that happens. They're calling into my show at 40 and they're like, I feel like I'm a bad kisser. I feel like I'm not, my body's ugly. So we have to just override that. People are coming from their own places. They're shaming you for whatever reasons because of what they saw in porn or to, to gain control or power over you. But it's just not real. Like we get to write our own body narrative. Also, am I crazy? But I feel like something with kissing is it's about the partnership, right? It's about the connection and how two people kiss together. So let's say someone said like, mm, they're not a great kisser. You could be the most amazing kisser for yeah. this person. And just with that person, you guys did not vibe. Like, I feel like that's so much of what kissing is, is that exactly. it's not like, are you amazing or are you amazing? It's like, how are you guys together? Right. It's like a dance. It's like dancing, right? It's a, it's, um, it's like sex too. I mean, someone might've shamed you for the way you were in bed, but it's probably coming from their own experience. And absolutely you, you, it's different with everyone. Chemistry, your, the way you, you all, you, you move together, the way you communicate, because like, let's say you think that someone's a bad kisser. You're like, oh, I just should just ditch them. Like people are like, oh, I'm going to, the first kiss was bad. So I'm leaving them. It's like, well, you know, this tell being in a relationship, you evolve together, you grow together. So I always say, well, say to your partner, if you don't like the way they kiss, you could just say, let's try something. I want you to kiss me right now, the way that you want to be kissed. And then I'm going to kiss you the way I want to be kissed. And then we'll have some information here. Like, how can we have like an amalgamation of, of what, both of those things are like, I think that we often just sort of assume that we should know how to please our partners and how to do things without actually communicating about it and trying new things. So, you know, don't give up. You said something which I thought was interesting for women where you said like, you really need to know how to pleasure yourself. You can't be expecting a man right. uh, partner to just come in and know what to do to make you put now, does that go in reverse as well? for men? Yes, it does go in reverse for men. I think that, well, that's a really good question. So to, so to address the question about women, I think that our society is really based around like what, what a lot of women learn is more performative sex. They think I'm going to show up and do what I saw in porn or, and I'm talking about heterosexual couples here. I'm going to do what I think he wants. I'm going to do what I, as long as he is pleased, the sex was okay. I'm going to put my needs 
last, which is very common for women, but what, what women's orgasms are more complicated. And so I always tell women that you are responsible for your own orgasm. You're responsible for your own pleasure. Like I used to believe like someday my prince will come and so will I. <laughs> Have I ever told you this? I mean, I did. I was like, he's going to ride up on a white horse and he's going to show me all the ways because I really thought that men were like shipped off to some secret school. And in that school, they learned all about like, this is when I was young, you know, probably in my teens, twenties. I felt the same way. Yeah. I was like, oh, they, they like, hello, you're lucky you get to be with me. Now you know what to do. They don't know. They don't know either. And what they think they know, maybe it was their last partner wanted one thing, but but I don't want that thing. So it's just, you're always learning in every relationship that you're with a new partner, whether it's for a night or um, years is a new opportunity to discover together what you like together, but in what, what you want to do and communicate about it because everyone's different. So the reason why I enforce this for women is because first off, I know a lot of women still think it's about their partners, but also once we learn what we want and how to move and how to have orgasms, like, then we can bring that into the relationship and say, babe, this is, this is what I need. I'm going to get on top. I'm going to, I need you to perform oral sex on me right now, because that's how I get the most aroused. It's not through penetration. And only, so, so only 20% of women orgasm through penetration. So the thing is what's analogous. And the reason why the vulva is what's the most analogous is the penis to the, to the vulva because it's the external part. So that's where most of women are going to have orgasms when they do is through a mouth, through fingers, through a toy, but it's not from a penis. So it's that patriarchal way of thinking about sex, which that's where procreation happens. Right. But the, so, so for women to think that, you know, the reason why I started doing this career is because I thought I was broken, that I wasn't having a lot of pleasure during, I wasn't having an orgasm during intercourse. And I thought everyone else was come to find out barely anyone really was. And if they did, it's because they had more clitoral stimulation. They were pleasing themselves. So it's just, I just really try to tell women like once you, you know, I, I just, and so, so another way my, I've changed my relationship is I took time getting to know myself the last 15 years. And I, so yeah. And then for men, yeah, I mean, they are responsible, but I think sometimes they also, if you're with a woman, you have to understand that like a great way of thinking about it is She Comes First, which is a wonderful book written 20 years ago by Dr. Ian Kerner. And he talks about how like guys, penises are going to orgasm, like it, they're going to have pleasure. But since we are more intricate, it's internal, get to know your partner because yours will happen. But that's why we always talk about foreplay, which I'm actually trying to rebrand that because I think it shouldn't just be about foreplay and then sex. Because again, for many women, most of the pleasure is from kissing and touching and oral and all the things. But foreplay is what we call it now, that that's why you always hear about it. Because we got to be warmed up. We got we to gotta be touched. We got to be ready to go. We can't just, sometimes just going right to penetration isn't as pleasurable. So if women understand this and they can vocalize it to a partner, but first it starts with you. Yeah. We're responsible. I love that though. Cause I think in general, we talk about that on all levels. We say you're responsible for your own happiness. You're responsible for your own sanity. You're responsible for how you react in any situation. So it's the same thing. You, it always goes back to that same lesson of like, you are the only one who can truly take care of you. Yeah. 
it's it. It's true. And the same goes, but, and, the, and I love that because it's true. It, it's so like, we don't, we aren't taught that we're just taught like to be either receptive, receptive, receive from our partners, like just not receive, but like sex is such a, you know, internal, like, let me back that up. But like, yeah, we are not told that we're responsible. So this, <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it was like almost like a job to pleasure the man. I feel like the old school of thought. And so our pleasure came secondary. Yeah. Right. Don't you think like everything came secondary, right. For women many times. Yeah. Of even just getting a man off felt like success. Like if, if you, that's why I think performative was part of it. It's like, if you felt like then you thought that was good sex, if you weren't necessarily even deeply aroused, you're like, well, at least he's satisfied. I feel like, Ooh, yeah. Like he's really into me. Like he has an erection, you know? So, so yeah. And we thought that was success. If yeah. they're and it's just, and then we're just missing out. We're like getting the short end of the stick and women, most women are not like, there's a, a study that came out to like heterosexual men have the most orgasms followed by, um, you know, what, oh, in, 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 in relationships, what is it? It's like heterosexual um, couples, orgasms, then orgasms and then like gay couples and then like lesbian couples. And then it's like straight women. Like they're just at the bottom of it. We just, you're like, that's how it works. Cause if you're with a woman, like she knows. She knows what to do, but so it's just, um, that's funny how, so talk to me about what all of this, what you've seen, all this is looking like, especially during quarantine or during the pandemic, what are people doing? I mean, you have two opposites. I'm sure you have relationships, people that are home in it. So I'm curious to know when we can break this up, what sex life has been for the majority of people like that, who are actually at home in a relationship and then single people, what do you feel like has been going on for them? Well, you know, I think that if couples were already challenged before the pandemic, like maybe they weren't having great communication or they were fighting or their sex life wasn't great or communicate communication wasn't on par that those couples aren't doing well. Like they, they didn't have the groundwork. They hadn't started yet. They hadn't, they hadn't been in therapy. So we are seeing a lot of couples divorce, separate. It hasn't been great, but for couples who are already, you know, in a good place, but maybe they didn't have as much time together because of work and busyness of life. I feel like those couples are doing really well. They're having more time with their kids, more time with their partners, and they just really just needed that time together. And I think those couples are doing very well is what I've seen. They're sort of strengthened. I've had so many couples reach out, email or call in that they just are so grateful to have the time together. And so you know, I think some of the challenges though, our kids are at home. When are we going to have mommy, daddy time? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. And so that's a little bit more challenging. So I get a lot of those calls of what do we do? Um, as far as, you know, but the good news is if you are a couple struggling and you're like, no, we want to make it work. You can see a therapist on zoom now. And in fact, it's, I think for many people, that's just as great. I joke, you can therapist because it doesn't matter where you are like you're not it doesn't have to be about how can I get there in my lunchtime during my break it's like you can go anywhere exactly so that's that's what I love is that therapy is a lot more accessible now so if you say you have no time you know you can make the time for it and I do believe that every couple well every human will benefit from therapy so that's one thing as far as single people the reports from the dating apps are that they have never been busier. 
there, I think it was like the membership and some of these, I think it went up by like 81% or something. Wow. It, it's, it's, I mean, people are swiping <laughs> and, and me. And so, but what I love, what I've heard right now is listen, people who've always wanted to find a ways to have sex are doing it. They're they're Maybe they're nervous about the pandemic, but people, there's a lot of people I know that are like quarantine couples. They like shacked up early on. You know, it's a lonely time if you're single, it can be a really hard time. So that that's happening. But what I love, so but what I've also heard is a trend that I think is fabulous and I hope it does. It is something that continues after this pandemic is that people are slowing down. So if you're single, you're not just swiping and running out to meet someone because how it was working before was you'd match with someone on an app and then you'd say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's meet for a drink or how about Friday? And then you'd have a bunch of dates set up in a week. Well, now people are slowing down and instead of just texting, they're they're FaceTiming or they're going on Zoom and they're actually getting to meet each other before they before they actually meet in person and it's slowing down. So courtship is back a little bit more connection. Huge, because that to me, I was noticing that too. And I would talk to friends. It's like, and everyone started to hate dating. And I used to be like, I always liked dating. I mean, I don't know. For me, I was like, I'll always go out on it. Anyone who had the balls to ask, because back then it took balls to ask. Like, I mean, I know that's such a bad way of saying things nowadays. We're not allowed to say stuff like that, but it did. It took a lot of guts, a lot of, because you actually had to physically ask someone out. Now it's like, you can shoot a text. You can do something. It's just, you're not putting yourself on the line as much. So I used to always say anyone who had the guts to do it, because I know how uncomfortable that can be. I would always say yes. And in my mind, I was like, no matter what, even if I don't think I'll ever be attracted to this person or it'll work out, it's going to be an interesting evening because I will get to know something about someone new. Absolutely. I got a lot of really cool friends out of it too. Like things did not necessarily go beyond that, but because there was an interesting conversation or something I just found so fascinating about that person, we actually stayed friends. Um, And I felt like that was missing. Like when I would talk to people, I'm like, but you can have these great conversations. Who cares if like date number two doesn't happen? Who cares if like, that's not what you want? Exactly. You're right. And I think that we weren't talking as much. We were rushing right to the sex. A lot of people, you know, they just rushing to the sex and then you get to know someone, but I think you're right. And it is, it was so gutsy. I mean, think about it. We had to be at a bar and then someone, and usually the, the, the onus was on the men to come up and approach it's, it is, it is terrifying, you know, to go up and say hello and get your number. And then maybe they'd call completely rejected in your face, not by a cell phone, but like someone will reject you probably in front of other people or regardless. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And it was a lot, but in a way, yeah. So that was a lot, it was a lot harder and it was a big deal. And then you'd meet someone and like, let's say you'd meet someone on a Saturday night and then they would call you on the phone right? Get back and, you know, they'd say like, and then they, you, you'd answer and then you maybe make a plan for Saturday night, but you wouldn't be sitting at home then looking for a bunch of other dates. You'd say, I have a date on Saturday night. I'm really excited to see this person. But now you meet someone on an app or, you know, you go out, you'd meet them and then you come home from that date and maybe it was a really good date, but then you'd be back on your phone swiping. Because it's like energetically, we talk about things energetically all the time. Energetically, you are never actually putting your energy to where it needs to go to see if it can actually create or develop. Because if you are like what you're saying, just spreading it out and the focus is everywhere, then you're not possibly even creating that possibility of a real relationship. Exactly. And we don't, and we are so distracted by all of that. You're right. We're not even, 
we're so scattered and we're not even thinking what we want energetically. We're not thinking like, what does it look like? What are my values? What's my goal of dating right now? Am I looking to find the one? Am I, am I enjoying dating a bunch of different people? What does my future relationship look like? Am I ready to commit yet? Am I not? I think it's just sort of a, it's almost like extracurricular for some people, sport, just dating. It's just. Now, do you feel like what you were saying earlier in the top of the show of like getting to know yourself, being able to kind of actually, do you feel like people have taken you up on that more? Like people, your regular audience, people who are stuck at home now and might actually have more time or some of them like, you know what, time for me to do a little bit more, you know, mindful masturbation, time for me to do some of these ideas always talking about because now I have no excuse and it's just me at home. Yeah, they absolutely are. Sex toy sales are through the roof. Every, I mean, in every single country. Um, I think that people are spending a lot of time to, to get to know themselves. I mean, I, I think if you're, if you're not, you know, cause I know a lot of your, your, your listeners are, you know, on the path spiritually meditate. We're doing, this is what I find about the wellness community is interesting is that there is a lot of encouragement around, you know, mindfulness and 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 energy and ch- all the things that you talk about. It, but I think that sex in the wellness community is something that's sort of like the outlier. It's that's why I, I think that it's not really integrated in many areas um, because it's still very taboo in a lot of places. So I and I I believe that when you feel empowered sexually and when you feel connected to your sexually, it's, it will impact all other areas of your life that it could enhance your practice, your meditation practice, your spirituality. But if it's kind of like that dirty little secret, like I'm completely evolved in all these levels, but don't look at my body or I'm still, I'm faking orgasms or I haven't healed that part. There's a part of us. So many of us have trauma, sexual trauma, body shame, we grew up in a household that wasn't encouraging around sex. We still are carrying those messages as well. But I feel like in a lot of areas, especially in wellness, like we, we just don't really talk about it. It just sort of still, oh, we can do everything but the sex. So I do hope and I encourage people that if that's still one of those stones that hasn't been overturned for you, that, you know, take a look and, and sort of look at, ex- examine what, what else is holding you back. I mean, the, the, I think the reason why a lot of us aren't, sexually healthy or satisfied is because we have a lot of roadblocks that are keeping us, they're still there that are keeping us from living a sexually healthy life. But I think that's so true. And there are certain lineages, obviously, that talk about it more. And those weirdly in the mainstream mind become perverted in some ways. It's like, that's not like a lineage of like mindfulness or meditation. And it's not true because again, it is all just energy. And I think you nailed it on the head when you were like, if you can free that part of you, it will enhance all those other sides of you because you're unleashing part of your, it's a spiritual energy. It's it all linked. I so mean, I, you've always been cool with it, Tal. You had me like on early on in your podcast. I mean, no, you you are awesome with it. We've always been cool with it. But I'm saying in, in the aggregate, it's like, it's still sort of kind of not really as much tapped into, but you're right. It, if anything is energy, it's sex, right? Our connection, our energy, our orgasm. I mean, I hate to it's not all about orgasm, but just the breath. I mean, when we talk about, even when you were on my show and you talked about the centering breath with the light coming up through like your, like I would say through your perineum and up, we just meditating, like breathe into your pelvic floor for all genders. Like there's a lot of blocked energy 
in, yeah. Let's talk about that more because it's so true, especially like the root and say, if we want to bring this to like the energy centers, like in the sacred sexual chakra, kind of that, and the perineum that you're talking about, there are so many blocks there from most of us, especially women, like most women, because not just what's happened to them in their lives, but just ancestrally, it's just like you were saying how we're slowly coming out of kind of the specific way we relate to sex or, or even our sexual identity of our gender. Um, so let's talk about trauma though, because I know we start, you and I started talking about this on your show a little bit behind the scenes. Yeah. How, what do you recommend for people as far as trauma? So like it may come if you're, if you're in the spiritual world and kind of getting those healings, someone may say, wow, you've had some blocks or I can tell stuff in like your sacred sexual chakra areas blocks, but let's like let go of that mumbo jumbo. And then when you get someone who might've said like, oh, I was abused or I, um, you know, was shamed with sex. So even if it wasn't a physical abuse, it could have been an emotional abuse. Um, what are steps people can take when it goes towards trauma to actually start um, moving beyond it? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. So this episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. If you do not know what Magic Spoon is, you have to find out ASAP and go get yourself some because I don't know about you guys, but I spent my entire childhood eating cereal. In the mornings, it was the first thing I did. After school, I loved grabbing it. I used to sit in front of the TV and just eat my cereal. My friend, we used to love going to her house because she had that cabinet that was like, and you opened up the door and literally every possible cereal that you could possibly want with all the sugar in it, of course, was there versus my parents. Like it was my favorites, but like it was a limited selection. My friend had like every cereal. It was amazing. So anyway, cereal is a huge part of my childhood. Like every once in a while when, you know, I was a little depressed in my 20s, I remember getting a box of cereal and just pouring the milk in just to kind of give some comfort. But then what happens? Like we grow up and we realize, um, it's a little too sugary, probably not great for us. I'm kind of eating way empty calories. It's not giving me anything. Let's grow up and start eating a more well-rounded diet. But that's where Magic Spoon comes in. It's amazing. So it's created these incredible like cereals that are going to bring you back to your childhood. They're reminiscent. They are like them. But however, they are healthy. There's zero sugar. There's 11 grams of protein. What? 11 grams of protein? Imagine eating Fruit Loops with 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in every single serving. So they have four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I love fruity because it reminds me of fruity um, Fruit Loops. I almost said Fruity Pebbles, which I also love, but it reminds me of Fruit Loops. And wasn't your favorite thing like drinking the milk afterwards? So imagine doing that with zero sugars and 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs. It's huge and it tastes amazing. It's crazy. It really is too good to be true. And I know so many of you are on different diets and I promise you it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low carb and GMO free, everything free. How is this possible? But it is. So I'm telling you, don't walk. You have to run. Go on to magicspoon.com slash Dentox in all caps. That is your code. Do do Dentox at checkout and you will get free shipping as well. So magicspoon.com at Dentox. You can get all these different packs. You can get a variety pack. You can get your favorite flavor. But if you want to sit in front of that TV, especially during COVID times, and like watch a little TV and eat some cereal and feel good and bring yourself back to your childhood, but also be like, oh, I'm actually not doing anything bad for me. This is where you want to go. So magicspoon.com slash Dentox and use the code Dentox for free shipping. We truly thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast because it just makes us happy. Oh, and that's another thing. 
it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you are not happy and for whatever reason you do not like it, they will refund your money. No question to ask. I think they're pretty confident. So that's pretty awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Magic Spoon. And it's so important because, you know, trauma is... Don't you think that trauma is sort of having a moment right now? Like everyone, I mean, which I love that people are kind of realizing that they've had trauma. And even if it doesn't look like other people's trauma, we all sort of have, you know, a lot of us have stuff. But if we're talking about like particularly like sexual trauma, I mean, really, it's all related. Trauma is trauma. My first thing is, you know, that's is uh, I think what's really important is to recognize the trauma. So at least even just saying that you have one and it and and being, you know aware of that and like allowing, like allowing yourself to say like, okay, I've had this trauma and now I'm going to um, try to heal it. I think there's a lot you can do. I mean, I do think that meditation, moving energy through your body is so important, but what you, what do you do with it? I think that for sexual trauma, you know, here's the thing, a lot of women or people assume that if they had a trauma and years have passed, they're like, oh, but I'm fine. I'm past it. I have to say that it, you don't heal it in that way. It just sort of becomes more repressed. So I recommend a few kind of therapies, a few modalities. I love EMDR therapy, eye movement desens. Do you ever talk about this? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. But please go. It, yeah, it's for any kind. And I've actually been in that um, the last two and a half years, and it's a, it is it is life changing. Um, and I did I did not have a sexual trauma, but I just had more of like a um, a childhood that was chaos, chaotic trauma. It was like you know, emotional neglect and all those, a lot of different things we could get into, but I didn't really realize that what, what it was at the time, but what EMDR does is you go see a therapist and you, this a therapist who specializes in trauma, this is what's been the most useful for people who are, who are suffering a sexual trauma or really any trauma now, but they, because what's so great about it is you go into a therapist and you don't even have to relive the whole entire trauma. It's not what I love about it. It's not so based on talk therapy. And I think that's a great therapy as well. It's a great place to start, but it's more based on memories get stored into our brain in, in a, in a, you know, in a way that becomes a patterned way of thinking and behaving. So you go into a therapist and you'd say, Maybe you'd say I had some with the EMDR. I'm trying to think how you deal with it. You would, you might say I had some kind of, you know, I had a, I had an assault or I was raped, um, and the therapist would give you a a list of or she would kind of say to you, what does it make you feel? What's the like? This is just an example of how it works. And I might say it makes me feel not, you know, not lovable or it makes me I hate my body. And then she would say, okay, go with that. And then they hand you these. So how it works is it's bilateral brain stimulation. And so the way you are processing your thoughts becomes stimulated through the buzzing. And it used to be through eyes. They'd have a light that went back and forth, but now you knew the, knew the buzzing. So thinking about this trauma with it in a therapeutic setting, what happens is you, it, it bilaterally stimulates the, your brain. So the, the memories become sort of Un, they become sort of make they they become released and they no longer have a charge on you when you think about the trauma, and so the way we process the why it's called like um, reprocessing is because you're reprocessing the memory and the trauma, and then you realize that there's you know it wasn't just that trauma but now you've had years of other ways of reacting because of that trauma, and so by stimulating these neural pathways in your brain, it no longer 
has that hold on you. And so when things happen, you realize that you, you no longer have that same charge around it. You can, you can do it around your body, around the, the actual trauma that happened, or you're now the beliefs of what you've told yourself about what sex means or, or about your, you know, for me, it was about being safe or feeling that I'm doing enough, right? Like I always feel like I have to be doing so much to be, you know, we've talked about this as well, to be busy. And I realize where that comes from. And the cool thing that happens with EMDR is, first of all, it's a quick therapy. You don't need to be there forever. Although I, I don't do it every time I go in. I just, but what it does is it's amazing what your brain does. So it starts to connect all of these memories come in, in a way that I've never experienced. And I've done, you know, I've done, I've done it all, all different kinds of therapies. But what happens is it, it no longer, like you realize it. And like, I'll say to my therapist, oh, I'm thinking about third grade lunch line. She's like, go with that. And then all the memories sort of start to connect. And then now I realize on my own, my brain has been changed that I can now process things that are happening to me in day-to-day life. And they make sense now. Like I have a much more clearer understanding of, of what my triggers are and what, what charges me. And I just, it's a, it's, it's a game changer. Are if they're if the memory is so repressed they actually don't know what happened. Like I feel like I see this a lot, and I'm sure you see it even more. Of uh, people where they're like, I I feel like something happened. I don't know if it happened. There's like definitely a block. I'm repressed, but they don't have the specific memory they can go to. Yeah, that's great. Done. EMDR is great for that because that's so. What happens is you'll find that even if it's I think something happened it's okay. Like your therapist can gently sort of guide you there. And just by holding these, you know, how it was invented by this woman who actually recently, she just passed away, I think a few years ago, or maybe it was last year. She was studying therapy and she was walking a lot. And in the process of walking, she realized that memories that she was having started to change. Her feelings started to change. So she developed this therapy that it sort of dislodges. I think that's the way of saying it. Like it just sort of jumbles up your trauma in a way that your thoughts become clearer. And, and so, yes. So what I'm saying is even if you don't know specifically what happened, but I didn't know, I, I, I did things have come up for me. Who's been in different kinds of therapy for 25 years and done all my silent 10 day retreats and all the things I've done, my understanding of my upbringing, my trauma, I have so much more compassion now for my family, for the people around me in a way that isn't just intellectual, right? It's not just like, oh, my mom did the best she could and this happened and that happened. It's just a different comprehensive understanding of what my upbringing was in a way that I don't think was achieved through other kinds of therapy. So it's, even if you just have a, a sense and you can go to EMDR, I think it's like emdr.something.com.org. There's a, oh, it's emdria.com, E-M-D-R-I-A, something like that. But it's an organization where you can find a therapist near you that practices it. So that's a great one. I think for trauma, that's actually what I, because you can do the yoga, you can do the meditation, but I think that working in conjunction with someone else in your relationship to this trauma is what really helps because it's very hard if you've had any kind of sexual assault or trauma to have a healthy sex life. That's what what I've seen in my, in my work. I think it's so important because something we talk about on the show a lot also is as woo-woo as I can be, and I love it. I mean, I'll talk about an alien any day. Um, 
I am really against the like love and lighting of it all. Like I'm really against people saying, well, I do this practice. So therefore like there's a superiority that happens with that as well as a bypassing that happens, even though I feel like that word's being overused, but there is a bypassing that happens because you can get, especially when you're really strong in a practice, you can get so free flowing, you feel great. But if you don't actually address a trauma, or like you said, find a way to actually unleash the trauma, it will stay lodged in there. And then only go so far, you're still got this one weight that's like holding you down. Well, well, Tal, this is where I was thinking, because you must have to deal with this a lot. Like I know that breath work like is so, I was actually going to talk to you after I was like, I really need to just sign up for breath class at Den and just do it online regularly because that is also very healing. But I think you probably have seen some people have trauma responses in breath work. Well, yeah, because stuff comes up. Right. And that's, it goes hand in hand, like you were saying, where I do think if, if you're doing energetic work, I think with your meditation, like a Kundalini or let's say breath work. I do think you can do a little bit of what you're talking about, actually go into these places and dislodge stuff because you're energetically working on it. You're not just meditating. I feel like that's when you can start to dislodge stuff. But the point is, if you're not aware kind of sometimes of what you're dislodging or you don't have care around it, it can ha- it can come back. Like you just have to. And I think it's great if people are doing breath work. Like it's all, it all works together. Like I think it's holistic, this healing of a trauma. So yes, I think that, I mean, no one can argue that. I mean, you you look at any sort of site because we're all having more anxiety and stress than ever. It's literally like meditation, exercise, breath work, journaling. I mean, I think that's just like what people need right now on the planet everywhere. Like I'm even thinking like, I got to sign up for den. Like I need my regular practice again. I mean, I, I meditate every day, but for me, breath work has, whenever I've done it, it's been really helpful. But to work closely with a therapist to help you heal the emotional distress that you might have, and to, you know, if you have a disturbing life experience, it just, I think it's just another piece of the puzzle, you know, for some people, maybe meditation is enough, but working in relation to someone else, like a relationship with a trained therapist, you know, it just helps you. It's for your mental health, you know, and, and the fact that your brain can, you can change your, 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 your brain, I think is, is incredible. And I think, you know, there's other things that are helpful, of course, diet and exercise and supplements and stuff. But I just, I think these, this trifecta of meditation, breath and a healthy therapist. I mean, even if you do, can't do EMDR um, and I even have been able to do EMDR on, on zoom without the buzzers. She does it with a movement of a, Oh, interesting. A, little, uh, a ball that goes across the screen <laughs> oh my God. I did it like 10 years ago. So anyway, I, that's what I recommend hands down for sexual trauma and continue to meditate and breathe. What do you feel like you're getting? What questions are coming in the most for you now? Um, I would say the most questions that are coming in is people, you know, this has been the most common question, but, you know, Tal, I'm trying to think it hasn't changed that much. I would say that more than ever, though, people who are in a relationship are not feeling as sexual. They're not feeling as connected to their partner because we'll think about this way, too if you think about energy, you think about a connection with the human being, what makes it you attracted to your partner sometimes or have that arousal is when there's this little separation. Mm -hmm. But right now we're on top of each other. There's no mystery, there's no excitement, there's no novelty, there's nothing new. And so how do you still keep your independence and how do you still have your own life and then come back to your partner and feel excited again? So I I think that I, 
you know, I've just, this is very common. And I think what I, you know, so I think kind of sort of the first thing is talking to your partner about your sex life. Like how, how are we doing, babe? Like, what do you think? Do you, are you feeling satisfied? Are you feeling it's enough? Not enough? Cause that goes into the, um, the mismatch libidos. So a lot of us want sex more than our partner or, or less than our partner. But I think right now communicate about it, talk about it. What's, what's going to work, what's our expectation around sex. And then listen, the things that we create, the things that make bring you the passion and the things that make you want to have sex are novelty. So is there anything you could do that's a little different, even if it's a different room, a, a sex toy, getting a, getting a hotel room for a few hours, changing up location novel because then it just becomes a little bit rote you're doing it every day well i was gonna say off your first thing um i have friends that are doing great right now like in their relationship it's actually a solid relationship but the joke is if you're like how are you guys it's like well, we're not killing each other it, it's like there's a solid respect happening they're they're like we're getting through this we don't hate each other we don't dislike each other but, you know, every once in a while, I'd like to not see their face. And and the thing when they say that, it's I can tell it's like as if you were even stuck with just a regular roommate. Like, it's it's not a bad thing. Like, I don't ever take that like, ooh, I'm like, in my mind, you guys are doing great then. If you're parenting together, living together, never leaving the house, because a lot of these people are taking quarantine, like they're in quarantine. You're never leaving the house. It's been this many months. Um, neither person's, let's say, even working right now. So you're like in it, like with no kind of other thing defining you. And you're good. And you just every once in a while get sick of looking at that person's face. Like, I feel like you're winning. Like, I feel like that's an amazing relationship. Oh, that's so true. I think we have to kind of understand that you're right. You're not killing each other. I mean, because there are some couples who are done, like the divorce rates are higher. But if you're like, well, we don't want to kill each other. That's especially people in long term relationships. It's like, keep going. Like, that's a good sign. Like, you're going to be okay. And the other thing is, so the other thing I was gonna say, it's spontaneity, like, we can just move on from that maybe. But what I want to say is that what the most important thing to answer this question is to, is to go with it is that we have an idea of what sex is supposed to look like in a relationship and it's not accurate. It's that it should always feel like it did at the beginning or it should always be like the greatest sex we ever had every single time. I believe that too. And now that I like know that after thousands of, and thousands of people I've talked to that have emailed me that doesn't look that for it doesn't look like that for anybody it's it's like this your sex life goes up and down and sometimes you want it all the time and sometimes not at all and I think the most important thing is to give yourself permission that sometimes this month this week we're just not as connected sexually but to talk about it and say you know what this is not going to be our strongest month of having sex, but it's going to come back. I think that's the thing. It's like even couples who have a fight, you know, you get to a point where you're like, we're going to get through it. And I think to rather than being disappointed by your sex life, because it's, it's just not as great right now, that almost makes it worse. But to accept that your sex life is going to ebb and throw, just like your spiritual practice, just like your job, your work. It's like, but for whatever reason, we put sex on this pedestal that it should always be fireworks. And everyone should always want it at the same moment. It doesn't exist anywhere. Nobody's having this sex that we pay. It's not true. I totally agree. Even in the relation, it's like if you, if you're finding in this time that whomever you're with is also a good partner, 
and a good friend, like someone you actually want to like hang out with, that's huge. Like to me, then you're winning because the rest will come back or like you said, ebb and flow in and out. Um, but to not be so sick of someone if you're stuck with them all the time. And again, that happens with friends. That's what people forget with friendships. If you're stuck with the same friend that long in one place, chances are you're going to get sick of them and want to kill them. So you got to remember you you can't to have these crazier expectations on your partner. I always find insane. It's like, if you kind of remind yourself like, oh yeah, I'm a human. And this is what relationships actually are. Then yourself some slack. And then you actually start celebrating what you have in front of you instead of looking at all the things that seem like they're not perfect right now. Exactly. Exactly. And that it's, it's harder than ever right now too. So everybody should just kind of like go easy on it. It doesn't have to be perfect in all these ways. And it's, 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 um, you're with, if you're with your best friend and you get along and then maybe after all of this, this passes, just say, you know what, let's now let's start to talk about it. What would be hot to you? What would, what's a big turn on to you? What was our most memorable sex we've had? Like you can always bring it back, but maybe just right now is not the time. And that's okay. As long as you're like treating each other well, respectful. I'd, I'd be curious to know if for single people, I wish sometimes I wish we had a call in. Cause I'd be like someone single call in right now. Um, oh. if, if what they, if like when this is over, if what they want has changed, like if their desire of what they're looking for in their life, and by the way, that could go anything, could be like, yes, I'm looking for a partner who does X, Y, and Z, or it could be like, I don't want a partner. I just did this by myself for nine months. I'm good. Like I want someone who's just for fun or excitement. I'd be so curious to know kind of what has shifted as far as people's expectations, what they think they need in their lives. I really think that it is. I I, I believe that if you are a human doing the work and you've been going through these last nine months, no matter where you live, this is all about going internal. This is all about doing work to look at yourself. And I, I, I hope that people are really looking at it and saying like, gosh, I actually want one, you know, or I've gotten clearer on who, cause I think we've done that with our friends. Maybe like, who do you actually want to see? Who don't you want to see the things that weren't important anymore? You don't miss. Yep what, you know, what are you, um, what have you learned about yourself? I think we're all coming out of this changed. And I have to say, we're all sort of in a trauma and it's really hard to, cause things have been disrupted, you know, not to overuse that word. There's like, there's capital T trauma, there's little T trauma, but things have been disrupted. And to say, what is it that I want going on? It's hard to process trauma when you're in it. So we're all in it right now. So we might not have these answers yet. But when you get out of it, I think that we're all a little bit more grounded or at least a little bit more, we've had to let go of what didn't serve us and now think like, oh, I'm actually want a partner that is, can spend more time with me. Or maybe I don't want to be running around town going on a million different dates. Like we were saying earlier, I actually want a partner. I want someone who I feel seen with, who shares my values, you know, because we don't know there is no normal. We're not going back. To whatever it was before. I think that life is going to be a lot less busy. There's not going to be as many parties and we're not going to Burning Man and festivals, at least not for a little bit. And so we're going to want to surround us ourselves with people that, and partners, I think, I would hope that make us feel like we're the best versions of ourselves that also do what we want, like, you know, that are into our, you know, meditation or our spirituality or our prioritize pleasure. I mean, I always say if you're dating somebody, don't wait till you're married or committed to find out if you want the same thing sexually. 
we always kind of wait and then it's too late. <laughs> like we realize we married someone and they don't want to prioritize pleasure. It's not important to them. So I think that right now, when I said we're slowing it down and we're getting to know people, hopefully we're really getting to know people that are aligned with what we want in a, in a person. So I think we're realizing that across the board, I hope, I know I am like, do I need my office? Do I need this many staff? You know, do I, who do I miss? Who do I want to see? It's funny. I know someone was uh, saying today, they were asking, you know, they're thinking about moving. And so they were like, how do people pick where, like what city they could go, if you could move anywhere, like how are people picking it was the question. And everyone had answers. And I wrote, I actually just wrote like, what do you want from this next phase of your life? And just think about it like that. And I said, come up with two words that literally describe what you want. And it could be anything. It could be peace. It could be exciting. It could be movement. It could be land. It could be, you know, view. Yeah. yeah whatever it is. And I, and I said, just come up with two words and let that be your tent pole. Like do not stray from those two words. And then you'll see how quickly you'll be able to like focus in on what places might be right for you. And then you can go from there with like other layers. But I think it's probably going to be the same thing for relationships for, it's the same thing. It's like, when you come out of this, what, what are like the two words that describe what you want from somebody else or from a partner or from a friend or whatever it is. And then just that's, that's, not, a really good right? way, that's such a gentle way of, of thinking about it. Cause if you, it, so I love that. Cause if you're thinking about well, what, when did I have a partner where I felt the best, like what might come up for you is like, yeah, I'm just thinking of all the words with relationships. It could be safety. It could be passion. It could be play. And yeah. then you're thinking, well, I went out with this person. This person was not playful, you know? And then you just get to say, I, yeah, I love that. It's interesting. Cause I do feel like sometimes we forget what are the, what are the drivers? Like, of course there's like a 500 words you could use to describe of what you want next out of a partner, I'm sure, or a relationship or a situation, but it's like, what are your main drivers? Like, what are the two things that first come up that, you know, are actually going to satisfy your soul, make you feel good. And they're going to be different than your best friends. And they're going to be different than Joe Schmo across the street. You have to remember that, but it's like, if you can then hold on to those two things, and then see where it takes you, it'll at least be some sort of like North star and at least be some sort of guidance that you need when you're like trying to figure out, well, how do I know? It's like, well, don't lose sight of the, like the most important things you think are going to feed your soul. I love that Tal, because you're right. What is your North star for relationships? I think that it's so true because we just, then we're just scattered and we're trying this one on and that one, and we're dating all these people, but to be really focused. And I think we get to a point in our lives where, you know, like, you probably know what feels, what, what you need and what you want. But when we go into this, like even performative dating, I want this person to like me, but do you even like them? Right. You even like this person, but we want the affirmation or we want the, you know, but what do you want? Like what, what makes you feel the best with a person? Like think about your friends, think about the people you're attracted to. Does this person feel that, feel that. And, like, and it should, I think. I mean, I just think I think about people dating the wrong people over and over again, people who are trying to break toxic dating patterns to get really clear. This would be such an easy, a great way, just having your few words to rule out the negativity and the people that make you feel less than. Let's do your four use quick four questions with quick answers before we wrap up. Um, so what's your favorite sexual position? Mm. My favorite sexual position is um, 
I don't have one. It's so hard to choose. I would say cuddling. No, kissing, kissing and cuddling. I think I, all the positions work, but I, yeah, these are quickies. What has been an intimidating sexual moment for you? Um, intimidating sexual moment. Um, intimidating. I don't think I've had one in a, I would say such a good question. Okay. These are quickies. Like I did to you the other night, quickie questions, intimidating sexual moment. On the flip side, do, do men get very intimidated at sleeping with you? I think they do. I, I get asked it all the time. But I think that I think that men do because they assume like it's just my job, but I'm not sitting there like with a bullhorn going like go to the left, to the right, dude, wrong. <laughs> I've had many intimidating sexual moments. I've had moments where I felt that I didn't want to continue because I wasn't attracted to the person, but I don't think I've been intimidated in a long time that I can think about. These um, are good questions intimidating. I want to go back to my sexual position because I, I actually don't pick a set. I like all positions. I love that. I'm 69. Like I'm good at saying what I don't like. You don't like 69. No, I'm because I'm ADD. I'm like, I want to be giving or receiving. <laughs> can't be like, because then I'm just going to care about them. And I'm like, I get that. I get that. Hmm. What, um, what is your favorite toy right now? My favorite what? Toy. Oh, that I can answer. Um, oh, this one on my desk. I love the Jeju Mimi. Can you describe it? So the yes, of course, no one would know what that is. It is a clitoral vibrator that you can use externally on yourself or with a partner. And why I love it is because it's waterproof, rechargeable, and it has this deep rumbly sensation. It's like a deep rumble and it's powerful and it's discreet and quiet. So if you have kids at home, it's a really cool toy. And I think it's pretty, and it, it has this great, it can just fit in your hand and you could use it on your partner or yourself. I was going to say the shape of it. I feel like you could easily use that on a guy too. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, vibrations are not just for women. Men like them too. You just, we just think it's just for us, but try it teasing your partner on their shaft or all over. You can get penises in. <laughs> What's one thing you can't live without right now? Hmm. I would say, um, gosh, water, <laughs> water. I mean, I'm so thirsty all the time. And I would say, um, my friends, my people, even if they're on zoom, like my, my friends. Have you been doing a lot of like zoom chat? I mean, you're on the screen Absolutely. or uh, I'm talking to them, but they've been, I mean, it's been harder because I am alone in LA and not even in person, but just having people like my, my people I can call. And I know who they, yeah, I would say that my, my, you know, my friends, my mom has been really good to talk about. No, what else? How my, lube too, my lube, but I can never live without lube. I, I me neither. How, how, how have you been getting through this time alone? It's been really hard because I've gone into these patterns of busyness. I've actually never, you know, I've always been busy, but I've never been busier because now I don't have to drive to meetings. So I'll have like 14 hour days because we've, I launched, oh, I should mention this. I launched a masterclass Love. two ago, November 19th, which is a streaming platform with all education. They don't do medit, they're, they, they're, I was their first wellness course. 
So it's been around for six years and it's a platform for people to learn about like writing and cooking and makeup and music, but they've never done a wellness class. So now the sex one was their first wellness. So I actually recorded that during quarantine and that came out. So, um, which is great. It's like a beginner. It's like I'm teaching sex and communication um, on their platform, but, but the, but so I've been really just 14 hour days and then for a while not getting out. So it's been hard. And so now I'm just sort of, I'm realizing now saying no to things. I've restructured my entire business and I've, I've actually realized what's really important and it is connection and making time for relationships and all that stuff. So I was, I've gone through so many different like seasons of COVID, but now I think I'm in a, I have a much uh, better understanding of the bigger picture of what's important. And it's not just work. It's like the holistic view of it. So it's like love in the time of COVID. <laughs> my personal practice, I meditate. So I, my practice is I meditate every morning. I tr- sometimes try to do twice a day. I do about 20 minutes and I, it's mostly breath mm-hmm. and just you know, I've done, I was trained in Vipassana years ago and then I did TM. And so now I've just created my own practice. That's a little bit of breath meditation, a little bit of breath and um, affirmations every morning. I love that. Yeah. That's You're amazing. amazing. Thank you always. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I feel like it's a breath of fresh air for our audience. And like you said, I think you said it so eloquently. It is something the wellness community kind of avoids sometimes. And we shouldn't because it's how we got here. It's part of who we are. It's part of our energetic system. And it's so important to acknowledge. Thanks for having me, Tal. You never avoid it. You didn't. You had me on right away. You're like, we're going to talk about it. So, but I <laughs> love that. Love you. You're so meant to teach this stuff. It's like, you're great. I mean, you're great. Thank you. I love it. I love what I do. Thank you. It's clear. Not everybody <laughs> like, does, but it is clear you love it. You guys, she has the best, if you don't remember this from the other episodes we've done with her. And we have other episodes, so please go check them out. But in her office, they have the best closet that's probably like, what is it, like six feet wide? Yeah. yeah. It's and like a whole, yeah. Probably a closet that is filled with sex toys from every inch of it has sex toys. It's kind of amazing. You walk in, you're like, whoa. Let me know if you need anything. <laughs> and- a good lube there, I will say. People should check out your your you on my podcast because you've been on a few times, and I just love having you on. I mean, you are so great at giving advice, and just just I love the way you talk about all these things in a way that is not shaming and intimidating for people, which is why Dan has been so successful. I mean, you're at the helm of it. Oh, no, there's no shame in anything. It's just being you. Anyone who that's why I tell. What did I say? I was on some. Maybe it was in my class. I'm like, if you're ever dealing with any spiritual path where someone feels superior or that you haven't quite caught up to them yet, run. Or maybe I said it on your podcast. Yeah, the gurus and all that stuff. Like, run, 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 because it's bullshit. It is. (laughs) I love you. I love you too. Thanks for having me. Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Ten Talks podcast, and join us there.